Welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I live in Seattle, and I basically consider it my hometown at this point. My co-host, Tiffany Parks, lives abroad in Rome. She's been there now for over 15 years. And this show began in Rome, when I moved abroad and lived there for just one year, on Tiffany's street. But we go way back. I met her on the school bus in sixth grade. If you're curious about moving abroad, or currently live abroad, or maybe you just absolutely love Italy, or love contemplating and exploring the big themes of life, well, you've come to the right place. Don't be afraid to dig around in the archives, even as far back as episode one. We're on a journey here, and you will not regret it. Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from our listeners. This week, I want to thank Mary in Seattle. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Keep an eye on that mailbox. You'll be getting a handwritten thank you note from me very soon, along with a few thank you gifts. If you love this show, one of the best things you can do to compliment us and to keep this show going is to send in a donation one time or join us regularly every month on patreon.com. You can find a donation button at thebittersweetlife.net or visit patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast and get bonus episodes too. Thank you so much to all the people who have loved this show and kept it alive through the years. And for those of you who are going to keep it alive in the future, your donation means the world. Thank you so much. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, there was an article in the New York Times recently, written by a woman named Stephanie Rosenblum, and it was called Travel and the Art of Anticipation. And while we're not going to read that article to you, we are going to talk about this idea of travel and anticipation, given that we've all been waiting throughout this entire pandemic to be able to do something different, to take a trip when this is all over. I don't even know how many times I've said, I want to take a trip when this is over. So I'm going to just start with one of the points that comes up in this article, and we'll see what happens. Okay. So as a part of it, they interview a professor of psychology from British Columbia, who is commenting on how to cultivate anticipation of the trips that you'll take post-pandemic. And she was saying that planning these trips, you can have happiness come about just from planning a trip. Which, of course, my mind immediately jumped to, but what if I plan a trip for July and I can't go anywhere in July and then there'll be all that disappointment that this trip is now canceled? Well, not only that, but just the fact that you hate planning trips. (laughs) You just actually don't like to plan trips, full stop, pandemic or otherwise. True, although maybe that's changing. (laughs) Perhaps. But she was saying that even if the trip were to be canceled, the happiness would already be in the bank. Hmm. You've already spent many happy days psychologically thinking about what July Katie is going to be doing versus what February Katie is currently doing. So what do you think? I don't know if I buy that. I just, I'm all for anticipation. I am a pleasure delayer. I am a, you know, delayed gratification person. I'm all for that. But to say that planning a trip... And then not going on it 
that there's any happiness that comes out of that. That is a stretch for me because I feel like the disappointment of not doing something that you planned for and really thought you were going to do is such a letdown that it cancels out any minor excitement you might have when you're planning a trip. That goes too far for me. Well, she's not saying for sure this trip will be canceled. Well, what she's saying is that hopefully the trip will not be canceled and getting to work on and even imagine what you might be doing can give you a hope and a happiness when you're in kind of a waiting period of time, which I fundamentally actually do agree with. That having something to look forward to is extremely important, I think. It is. No, 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 it is. I'm all about that. I'm all about that. I guess I come from, I'm I'm sort of biased on this because I, I don't really like planning trips either. Like I know I can do it and I can be good at it sometimes, but I don't really like planning trips. And in the article, she talks about leafing through brochures about travel destinations. I can't stand doing that. I really can't stand it. And I love to travel. I mean, I know we had a discussion about this ages ago and you talked about how you hate planning trips. And I was like, oh, I like it. And, but the truth is I don't. I've learned that I don't like planning it. What I truly hate is making decisions. That's what I hate. I hate I'm on some kind of website where I'm looking for a hotel and I'm trying to decide which hotel. And I've got this thing in my head that I'm going to make the wrong decision. I'm going to pick the wrong hotel or I'm not going to be able to make a decision. I'm going to put it off for a week and then the prices are going to have doubled. (laughs) And that has happened to me so many times, so many times. And same with flights. Oh, flights, it's even worse. If I have to book a flight, give me a volume because I can't stand (laughs) doing it. Now, what if if you were to think of it more abstractly? Like when this is over, Katie's going to come to see me in Rome and she and I are going to go to the Amalfi Coast and do a live podcast episode at the Cyrenus Hotel. Book it, Katie. Let's go. Let's go. Just don't maybe make any decisions. I just don't want to make decisions. Right. But haven't you found yourself, at least during part of this, thinking, I would like to go to the south of France mm-hmm. or I would like to go to the Dolomites when this is over? Any of that? Of course. Of course. I can't wait to travel again. I love the traveling part. I hate the planning part. I hate it. It gives me anxiety. It makes me stressed out. And I start to feel like I'm not even going to have a good time. I've been on a couple of trips where there was literally no planning or almost no planning. And that's another thing in this article that I don't agree with. (laughs) She says something about how, I'm sorry, I really enjoyed the article. I totally recommend it. And again, I love the idea of anticipation more abstractly. Just not when it comes to travel, I guess. Because in the article, she says something like, when you spend more time planning a trip, you enjoy the trip more. And I don't think that's true. Or she says something like, your memories of it. You have better memories of the planning of the trip than the actual trip. And I went on a trip to Belgium back in 2008. I literally planned the trip three hours before my flight left. I was texting or emailing with a friend of mine who was in Belgium doing a music concert tour thing. And she emailed me saying, oh, you should come visit. And I texted her. I was like, are you serious? Can I come? Is there a place for me to stay? She's like, yeah, yeah, you can totally come. I'm like, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. It's Come. This is the date. You know, it's today. You know, <laughs> Come today. I looked up on some search engine. There was a flight leaving in three hours. I booked my flight three hours before I left. See, that's fun. I had an hour to pack and I had an hour to get to the airport. And I have memories of that trip. 
I mean, it was just probably three or four days. It was such a wonderful trip. I had so much fun. One of the most memorable trips I've ever been on, and not necessarily because that's how it was planned. It was a wonderful trip. There was no anticipation at all. It was just wonderful. And I'm also very proud of this fact, as you can you'd be proud of like weird things that you've done. My husband and I planned our honeymoon the night before we left. I don't know if it's because I'm a procrastinator or my husband and I are both procrastinators when it comes to planning travel. We knew we had to plan our honeymoon. <laughs> we knew we had the time off. We knew we were going to go somewhere, but we had this big wedding and the exhaustion of planning and the family and the people in town and the my one thing after another. And we just kept, it was like the one thing that we didn't have the energy to plan. There have been at least two other trips like that. So I don't know, maybe I have too much of those types of memories and it has soured my planning experience. I don't know. I mean, maybe she means more that if a trip is better planned, you have more fun because, I don't know, maybe you have a better idea of what to do when you're there. I so often arrive somewhere having done no research whatsoever. So I don't even know. Like, I don't know what's in town. I don't know which museum people would recommend going to if you're in that area. You know, I just haven't done any of the research that would make it a layered, textured trip. But it, it sounds like from the last minute ones you were telling about, that in some ways the lack of planning of them was great, but also that you're with somebody who's great. When you go to Belgium, you know somebody who's in Belgium who already knows how to get around. And mm -hmm. that's one of the things I love about not planning travel is letting somebody else do it and then I'm with them and <laughs> they show me around. You know, I kinda I kinda love that. And it has more to do with being with a person who knows what's going on. It's much more relaxing. True. Yeah. True. Although I do think you're right that when you plan a trip well, you're more likely to have a good time simply because you have all these great things to do and you maybe will go to better restaurants and stuff. But I don't think that's what she meant in the article. I think she meant that the, the act of planning the trip and looking forward to it, you almost remember that more and you get more pleasure from that than you get from the actual trip. And I just don't think that's right. Well, another point they had in the article because they have three sections in this article. It's kind of counter to this long, deep planning, actually, this second point, which is basically they talk about how we will all have experienced a happiness reset. Yes. Meaning we think that when this pandemic is over, we need to plan a big trip. I need to go to South Africa. You know, <laughs> I, I, I need to go to the other side of the world. It's going to be the only thing that'll be good. And, and what she's arguing in this article is that you're going to be thrilled to just be anywhere. So you could just jump one state over, or you could just go to the coast, or you could just go visit relatives in a nearby town, whatever. You're going to be happy to just be anywhere. And so you really don't need to plan a giant adventure, which of course they're pointing out is good because most of us don't have as much money as we once did before we lost most of our work because of the pandemic. That point I do agree with for sure. I have proof of that because we went to the Amalfi Coast in September. I mean, granted, we did stay in a pretty amazing place, but it was very close. I mean, it's close for us. I mean, the Amalfi Coast sounds very exotic probably for a lot of people, but it's the area where my husband's grandparents are from, where his parents are from. It's, it's a place that we've gone often and it's very close by. I mean, we drove there. It's the same culture, it's the same language, the same country, same general area of the country. But we were both just absolutely in heaven 
I think we really enjoyed every aspect of that trip. Going to Pompeii was just such a delight. And everything, you know, the simple food we had to the more extravagant food, whatever it was, the breakfasts and the terrace, it just, it was truly a sublime trip. And I feel like it's not just about travel, but she mentions this in the article as well. She's like, there are simple pleasures that you probably appreciate more now because the big, fancy, exciting pleasures aren't there. And I really feel that. Every single morning when I sit down and have my cup of tea and my breakfast, I savor that moment so much. Just reading a book, like I know that sounds ridiculous, but like (laughs) taking the time and sitting and reading while having a really good cup of tea That is a pleasure to me that I look forward to Mm. every single day. That's nice, yeah. I don't know that I would feel that appreciation of it if I hadn't had so much of the stimulation turned down this year. Yeah, she calls it something like the lack of options could reset our wonder of exploring. Mm -hmm. I mean, when it comes to travel, not like the pleasure of a cup of tea, but that's one of the theories of why just going on a little tiny trip all of a sudden will feel so much more exotic than it once did. But she also points out that, hey, don't think this wonder of exploring is going to last. You're going to get used to traveling again. You're going to get used to vacationing again. And that little shiny patina is going to wear off Mm. quicker than you think. That makes sense. I don't know if that's true. You don't? I don't know. I mean, I feel like every trip I'm on, even if I was to go on a trip every single month, I feel like I would not get tired of seeing new things. I don't know that it's getting tired of it. I think she means like it's less impactful because it's happening more often. We think about like your first trip abroad, how much of an impact that makes. It's never going to be that way again. We are so adaptable as humans. Mm -hmm. We get used to things so quickly. So, you know, it feels like we're never going to travel again and think life is never going to be the same, but it is going to eventually go back more or less, I would imagine, I hope, mm-hmm. <laughs> to how it was. And we will get used to it. And this will seem like a very small little blip in our experiences. Yes. And we all have those things that while we might miss going and seeing new things and seeing people we love, there are certain things about travel that we do not miss. Like, for instance, the Denver airport. Oh, <laughs> or any airport. <laughs> so many times I get routed through the Denver airport. I don't know if everybody else has had this experience, but it's a very long airport. And every single time, I swear to you, I land there, I land in some gate where I have to run the entire length of the airport to get to the next gate. (laughs) And it started to be that when I knew I was going to have to travel through the Denver airport, that I got this, Derek actually bought it, but we got this suitcase that's basically just a gigantic backpack. So think about how heavy that is. But you can strap it to your back and clip it on. Uh. I would use that one when I knew I had to go through Denver because I knew I would have to run. (laughs) Oh, jeez. But why was your connection always so short that you would have to run? Who knows? Maybe it's just because the airport's so big. It just feels like you have to run. But I don't know. I had to run so many times. But anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, Speaking of anticipation, the wait is over Yes, when it comes to the book we've been talking about. Now, out in the world, as of last week, the book, I Had No Idea You Were Black, Navigating Race on the Road to Leadership by Ronald Crutcher, is officially released. Hooray! And in fact, 
I went to his official release event <laughs> to hear him speak because I've been reading the book, but you know, it's another extra added delightful layer to see a person moving about and sharing their stories. And I thought I'd share with you a piece of tape from that event just to give you an idea of some of the things that are discussed in this great book. I apologize in advance for the sound quality. I had this idea as I was watching it that, oh, I should record some of this so Tiffany can hear. So this was not a live event, I take it. No, it was a live event. No, but I mean, you were not there live. Oh, no. No, of course not. (laughs) I'm on Zoom with everybody else. I'm just making sure because, you know, you never know. Yeah. In the last minute, I grab my microphone but then and I just hold it up to the computer but then I was like well where is the sound actually coming from (laughs) you know I didn't know where to put the mic to make it sound really good so it's a little tinny but so is everything that happens on zoom we'll get the idea you'll get the idea plus I thought you would find it interesting so he was asked a question about race and specifically to recount a time when somebody said something that caught him off guard You remember that Dr. Ronald Crutcher is the president of the University of Richmond, so keep that context in mind. I was sitting down, this this happened within the last year, sitting with a parent who was a donor, and he was going on about how wonderful the University of Richmond had been for his daughter and how much respect he had for me. He somehow got into, but you know, Dr. Crutcher, we raised our daughters not to see race. And when he said that, I thought to myself, okay, And so I said, let me just make this comment to you, and I hope you won't be offended. But when you say that to me, you're telling me you don't see me. I'm a black person. So if you tell me you're raising your children not to see race, then you're telling me you're raising them not to see people who look like me. And he said, I never thought of it that way. I thought I was being very liberal, trying to help them to be open-minded. And I would say, well, just think a little bit about it from my perspective as a human being. He said, I wish I had had this conversation with you many years earlier. The book is I Had No Idea You Were Black. Ronald Crutcher, the author, you can find a link in our show notes if you want to order yourself a copy. It's a great book about race and culture and other great things like living in Germany and playing the cello. Find that link in our show notes. So here's another interesting third section that they go into. If you don't want to plan a trip, your anticipatory planning you should be reminiscing about travel with other people during this period of time. Even that can give you a boost. Even if you're reminiscing alone, like if you're looking at old photographs or reading your old travel diaries, it can make you feel a little less claustrophobic, a little less trapped. And I feel like I've sort of been doing that naturally without meaning to. Like I haven't called up anybody (laughs) I've ever traveled with and been like, hey, (laughs) let's talk about that time that we went to Vietnam together. But... I have found that, for instance, me and my dad have breakfast together once a month online now. Mm -hmm. And we did get into this giant reminiscing about things that had happened in Vietnam just naturally, you know, and just getting into, oh, and remember that thing? And I wonder what ever happened to this person? And oh, remember how you used to interact with that guy in this funny way? Whatever, you know, what was that hotel called that, you know, all that stuff. He had already been thinking about it, but he decided that he was going to use some of this time to actually try to record the various bursts of memory he remembers from being there so that it's not completely lost. And so he's been sending me typed up pages of memories that he has. And Derek and I are doing the same thing. 
although we're a little bit more planning, a little bit more, well, where do you want to go when this is over? We should go spend a month in Savannah, Georgia. We should go, you know, spend a month in my aunt's train car. My aunt lives in a old train station. <laughs> wow. Uh, I know. So we're like, maybe we should go live at the train station for a little while. So I don't know. We've been more anticipatory planning, maybe. But I have done a lot of reminiscing with a lot of various friends but always accidentally. Hmm. Yeah, I think that I can get behind the reminiscing. Reminiscing is really only sad when you feel like you won't be, ever be able to do that again. Mm-hmm. Just imagining me as like an old, old, old person who's like traveling days are behind me, you know, talking about, oh, remember when we went here and we went there and knowing that I would never do that again. That to me is really bittersweet. See, I don't know if that's true or not. That's We'll have to, like, have some listeners weigh in because, you know, we make m- these memories. I don't, this is a debate I get in that we could get into a much larger debate about is, is it better to have those memories and have them no longer be possible? Or is it just sad to remember them? Or is it lovely to remember them? I think that just depends on your personality. I think we've talked about nostalgia. I'm a very nostalgic person, which means that my memories are bittersweet. I think about the past and it it's not that it makes me sad, but there's something regretful about it, that it's over. Just the regret that it's over, it makes me sad. I say that considering myself a pretty positive person. Mm-hmm. One of my sisters has had a lot of tragedy in her life, uh, including most recently she lost her 26-year-old son and she just says, I have my memories. I have my memories and they keep me happy, you know, and I just... I don't know how she can be so strong. That's a, it's her personality. Mm-hmm. For me, I mean, obviously you want those memories, but on the other hand, aren't they painful just to even think about? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would want to just shut it out and not think about it. Yeah. So that's a totally different thing because they're sad memories. That's, yeah. I mean, they're not sad memories. They're happy. I mean, I don't know. Now I'm like confused. They're happy memories, but they're tinged with, with the sadness. sadness of the fact that her son is no longer here. Yeah. But she still had all the joy of raising him yeah and hardship of course (laughs) yeah i don't know this is an ongoing thing i definitely explore frequently yeah but you know it's funny this is a side tangent but i have been reading the sunday obituaries lately in the paper just (sighs) because it's the one place in the paper where two things can happen one you read about people that you would never know which is kind of interesting sometimes but two it's also this place where there's a lot of accidental humor most obituaries are very straightforward. This is what they did for a living. These are the people that they left behind. Here's where they went to college. Here's who they were born to, et cetera, et cetera. But some of them include just these weird, funny pictures of who this person was as a person that I really like. Mm-hmm. Let me read you one little section of one I saved. I think it's true that this kind of stuff appeals to me too from a writing aspect because, okay. of course, there are certain details that When you're inventing fiction, it's fun to have these certain details that are real, you know? Okay, and I'm going to credit this to the woman. Her name was Mary Golden, and she lived from 1930 to 2021. I'm going to skip the stuff that is just what you normally would read. Okay. When her extended family chronically showed up late for Thanksgiving and Christmas... She hit on the brilliant scheme of serving all the pies first thing in the morning. After that, everyone was prompt. 
<laughs> pie first is now a family tradition. That's cute. It's a cute detail to put in a in an obituary. Yeah, it's a great little detail, but it and it tells you so much about her as a person. And I think that's why I've been reading this. I just think it's fascinating. But anyway, back to the topic at hand. Are you a person who reads through travel diary or writes travel diaries even i know you look through old travel pictures but that's mainly because we're a travel kind of show i used to keep travel diaries when i was really young my very first trips i wish i had them i i don't know where they are but no i i haven't and i i really regret that i don't it's one of those things where i'm like i'd like to do that but am i ever going to probably not when I'm traveling, I get to the end of the day and I'm so exhausted. I just want to sleep. You know, the last thing I want to do is sit and write in a travel journal. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I think there can be so much material there. And so many memories that you would lose otherwise. Oh, I know. It's so true. It's so, 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 so true. We have a mutual friend who um, is writing a novel, but it's based, Suzanne, we talk about her a lot. It's based upon real travels that she did. She, of course, kept copious journals at the time, which were very, very helpful her, to her because, of course, these travels took place over 20 years ago. But she also was an avid letter writer at the time. She and I wrote letters back and forth to each other, and she asked me to scan them and send them to her which I did. Thank goodness you still had them. Well, of course. I have all my letters from all my friends. <laughs> I mean, I know, of course, you would have them, but... Not everybody would. Not everybody saves letters, so... Yeah, and she was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot that happened. I forgot this happened. I forgot that happened. So, so that was kind of fun to be a part of her research. That's great. Well, let's circle back around to this idea of anticipation to end. So you said that while you don't like the idea of anticipatory planning, you do like anticipation as a general element, I guess, of your life. Yes. Tell me an example of when anticipation really works for you. If there's something I'm looking forward to doing, for example, to go back to the letter writing, if I get a letter from a friend, that to me, reading a, a real letter written on real paper, it doesn't happen very often anymore, but it's a great joy. It's a highlight. And so if I get a letter from a friend, I'm going to wait and not open it right away and know that that letter is waiting for me. Maybe I'll wait until a moment in the day when I'm all alone, I'm sitting maybe on my terrace if it's a sunny day, I have maybe a cup of tea, you know, and savor it in that way. And so I can kind of look forward to it throughout the day. I recently also... <laughs> Um, people who follow me on Instagram will know I'm a little bit obsessed right now with collecting very beautiful <laughs> books. A little? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Well, no, I mean, compared to some people... I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, it's true, but I just... My collection isn't nearly as big as I would like it to be. But anyway, I recently discovered this Italian collection of books. It's incredibly gorgeous and... It's all like English and American literature, but translated into Italian. Mm. And I would never think to buy American or English literature translated into Italian, but I, I already have all these books in English, so I can get them in Italian too. And it's not like, oh, I have this book, but it's in Italian. No, it's something in pew. It's, it's something extra. It, but it's a subscription service. 
Oh. I signed up for it. Luckily, you can cancel at any time, <laughs> supposedly. We'll, we'll find that out because yeah. there's like 65 books in the collection and there's no way I'm going to get them all. But I signed up for the subscription service and they're like, your first shipment of three books will arrive within the month. That not knowing, knowing that they are going to arrive, but not knowing exactly when they're going to arrive, I find a source of, to be a source of pleasure. Oh, maybe today my books will come or maybe tomorrow they'll come. It's funny. That reminded me of early in this pandemic, probably around April, March or April. Derek must have been trying to come up with something to make me have something to look forward to. <laughs> and he found this service where you're suddenly receiving Sherlock Holmes's mail. What? You get like a letter that is intended for Sherlock Holmes every single week. <gasps> and so over the course of the month, you're trying to figure out what the mystery is. You have three weeks where they give you, here's the next level of the plot. And then the fourth week, it's the reveal of what's actually going on. And little puzzles in it where you have to try to break the code and stuff. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh, this sounds like my fever dream. It was pretty fun. Yeah. But that's kind of that same thing of giving yourself something special that shows up to look forward to. And it's different than going on Amazon and ordering, you know, something that's going to show up tomorrow. That's the one thing about Amazon, really, is that <laughs> they don't give you any time to anticipate. It just is there, <laughs> you know. Oh, we're out of soap. You order soap, it's there. You know, it's, <laughs> it's the opposite of exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Katie, are you... After this talk about planning trips, are you planning, actively planning any trips? Or are you going to be like a little bit more cautious and, and wait to see before you make any real plans? So I'm not going to book anything until I know that I'm destined for the vaccine. Because in the current rollout, if they continue going as slow as they currently are, it could be December before Derek and I get vaccinated. I, well, I just heard the news was that you know, we got 200 million more vaccines and they're looking to have everybody vaccinated by July. Everybody. Right. I know. And let's hope that that's true. But I mean, this is just if it keeps rolling out as slowly as it is currently, mm -hmm. if it keeps running into so many problems. So I don't think I would book anything. That said, though, my parents, who just got their second vaccine this morning, nice, their second shot this morning, I did help my mother book an Airbnb down by my sister for the end of March. My parents are on the road. They're going to go visit the grandchildren finally at long last. Oh, that's good. So it's not that I haven't booked anything having to do with travel. Just not for yourself. <laughs> Just not for me. And I'm excited for them. And I'm terribly jealous, of course, as well. And do you have any ideas of where you may go, might go? I have so many places. It, this is funny, actually. I mean, I still want to take my train trip to Chicago, which was my New Year's resolution or goal. But this is funny. We were just... Me and our mutual friend, Suzanne, who you just mentioned, took a walk the other day and we were just talking about this, about what will we want to do when this is over? Because there's that dual thing. You want to travel, you want to go see new things, but you also really just want to be with your friends. So there is sort of this push-pull of, I want to go somewhere, I want to do something new, but I also don't want to be like isolated and alone traveling by myself when I could be going to parties with my friends here locally that I haven't gotten to see very much this year. So I think there will be this scales that I'll have to weigh about how much do I actually want to be away away. But I do want to be away. I know in my heart, 
I want to be away. And I, and I think that I'm more drawn to getting out of the country for a while. Hmm. So you're not going to follow the advice of this article and just do a smaller trip. I mean, I'll probably do a bunch of smaller ones too, but it's been a pretty stressful 2020 in the United States, just from a civil unrest standpoint. There is an appeal at this point to just going to a country where I know absolutely nothing about what's happening in government (laughs) or in uh, cultural changes. So that kind of ability to just lose yourself and experience just art and beauty. Mm. I, I really look forward to that experience. I understand. The head in the sand, seeing new things experience. Ah, that sounds good. How about yourself? Well, I feel like you, but except it's not so much friends, it's my family. I just want to be with my family. I just want to be with my mom, and I want my mom to spend time with Aurelio, and I want to see my sisters, yeah, my nieces and nephews. That is what I want more than anything else. And obviously, I miss my friends too, but I have a yearning to spend time with family right now. So a trip to the U.S. is in your future. Yes, that's the hope. That's the plan. They can't really not let us into the United States because I'm a citizen. I really is a citizen. Claudio is the husband of a citizen. I mean, obviously, we have to have COVID tests. Mm -hmm. They have to be negative. But assuming that they will be negative, they can't stop us from coming in because we are citizens. But of course, you want to avoid travel if it's not going to be safe. So we're hoping that we'll have the vaccine by August. Claudio already has it because the Vatican, he's works for the Vatican. and Thousands of visitors rubbing up against him all day long. <laughs> well, it's not just about that. I think they're vaccinating everyone who, uh, who works there, regardless mm. of whether they have contact with large numbers of people, simply because it's a, it's a sovereign country and right. they're just vaccinating everybody who works there. I don't know when I'll have mine. It's not really clear yet in Italy what the timeline is. But I'm thinking we'll probably go anyway. <laughs> um, my mom already has it. My stepfather already has it. A couple of my sisters already have it. When I say it, I mean the vaccine, not COVID. Yeah, they're not <laughs> um, currently fighting COVID, yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of have that feeling like wild dogs wouldn't stop me sort of thing. Also, Claudio and I never, ever, almost ever get to travel in August because of his work. And this year he should have August and I should be able to have August as well, which n- just never happens. And Roman August is kind of, I mean, I say I love it. It's far too hot. It's way too hot. (laughs) I say that I love it because it's empty, but I've experienced Rome empty now a lot. I don't need any more empty (laughs) Rome. Like I've got, I've had my fill of empty Rome. I'm good. However, you are planning to go to Arizona, which also. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not planning to go to Arizona. Oh, okay. No, my mom will be in Utah in the mountains. So we are thinking of uh, Utah. Wyoming, where one of my sisters lives, on a horse ranch. Aurelio will lose his mind over that. And then Idaho, where I have a couple of other sisters, my stepmother, lots of nieces and nephews and great nieces and nephews. And so that's the plan. That's the hope, that sort of area. That's what you're anticipating. That's what we're planning. (laughs) (laughs) Let us know what you are anticipating in this period of waiting. Send us an email. You can reach us at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com that's bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com where else can they find us well you can always find us on social media we are on instagram facebook and twitter just search for the bittersweet life podcast and you will find us there's also a contact page on our website which is thebittersweetlife.net yes and while you're there feel free to send a donation if you love this show (laughs) and until next time this is the bittersweet life i'm katie sewell i'm tiffany parks join us again bye
Need more show? Bonus episodes are released every single month at patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast. For as little as $5 a month, you'll get to hear even more. You'll find a link in the show notes. And if you jump on board at the $50 level, you get to dictate what topic we cover. For example, one Patreon subscriber had us do an entire show on cuteness. Become the director for $50 a month and support the show you love at the same time. Thanks for listening. Tell all your friends and we'll talk to you next week.